Okay. Also, um, during meditation, I realized that the book I was going to reference during my talk is sitting at home. So, because it, I was looking at it this morning, and then as I was leaving, it was the ninth inning of the Dodgers-Yankees game, and I was preoccupied. <laughs> it ended halfway here. So, um, and during uh, and I realized that, and so we'll just we'll just go with it, and we'll see where we end up. Um, and which is lovely because the what I wanted to talk about is the idea of groundlessness, which, hmm? <laughs> which really is I think um, the, it's this idea of that n there's really not much that we can. How do I say this? Not much that we can say this is the way it is and shall always be. I mean, there's there's the idea we have of security and solidity and everything always going to be this way. And, and if you accomplish a particular thing, then you will have a particular experience that will last. You will achieve something. And I don't know where I, why I kind of started reflecting on that this week, but um, that's what came to my mind. Um, my experience has been there's, there's really no place to land. I've been kind of for the last year, almost for the last year, I've just kind of been in this, what, this book I wanted to bring. I brought a couple of weeks ago, I gave another talk that was inspired by this book, The Way of Transition by William Bridges. Some of you were, may have been here for that. And it's a really excellent book. He talks about basic premise is when you have something end, where like a job, a relationship, something in your life, um, a way of thinking um, you find is not true, that there's an ending. And we are very much driven by getting to the next thing. And he says, really, what we don't spend enough time with is the in what he calls the neutral zone, which is like a Star Trek reference, like the Romulan neutral zone, which is where my head keeps going. But in any event, he talks about this place in between, which I'm sure you've all experienced, the, the, and, and how uncomfortable it can be. That sense of not knowing, not being sure, what, what should I do? That fear of, you know, um, making a, a, a bad decision, choosing incorrectly, because if you make the wrong choice, you're going to screw your whole life up. That's, that's not true, but somehow we get into that, that idea that if we don't do this just right, we're going to ruin everything. It's like if you don't choose the right thing to study in college, your life is over because, you know, because when it's not true. Anybody in here, if anything, anybody in here is still doing what you studied to do when you were younger? That's great. But I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. It's seeing how common that it is that we don't. I have a degree in ancient history and archaeology. I'm not doing that. Um, I worked for Xerox for many years. I'm not doing that. 
I mean, and so if we really look at our lives, and even not just with our career or our job or how we, how we make our way in the world, other things, things that we used to believe, shifts and changes. We see the world differently. We move to a different place. We meet different people. We read different books. We come to this practice that at where we sit and we pay attention to our experience and what we thought was really true, those things we held on to so dearly, those ideas, those cherished ideas, we find out maybe have no basis in reality or no basis in um, a way that that we think it's going to, um, that we think, you know, what we thought was going to happen is not going to happen. Um, uh, the page 186 of this book, which I would reference, um, says you need to explore the neutral zone. So instead of using it as a, I got to get across this bridge as fast as I can, be with the discomfort. Where have I heard that before? Be with the discomfort of your experience because that's where the richness is. That's where this moment of exploration, of beginning to see clearly what, why, why did what ended end? Why did that end? I mean, if there's a reason, I mean, sometimes. Well, in this book, he talks mainly the big transition he had was the death of his wife. And he talked about how there's such a shift when that happens, such a huge change when a, a life partner or someone you've been with for so many years is no longer there. You know, there's, there's, you know, there's the idea of the grief, but then is there freedom that comes from that? He goes, all these things that I never did that I wanted to do because in the spirit of, of, of um, what's the word, uh, compromise, he didn't do because now I have this tremendous freedom to do these things that were never available before because I chose not to or whatever. So really explore the neutral zone and don't be so driven by a need to get somewhere because that's what the Buddha talks about. We're so um, enamored of getting to some place, achieving something, getting to a goal that we don't pay attention to where we are and stay in this, this idea of there is actually no place to get to. There's no there there. They said that about Oakland one time. There's no there there. But it's true. And this teaching points to that. Um, and then page 155. I would read you a thing that says there's nothing to hold on to either. There's nothing to hold on to. So that's where this idea of groundlessness comes from. This idea of we think we need to have this foundational um, um, solidity in order to be okay. I, it, it keeps popping into my head, so I might as well say it. <clears throat> I, there's a, 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 a workshop in nonviolence that happens every month that apparently has been going on for 20 years, and that is, is offered by the Reverend Jim Lawson, who's an icon in nonviolence. Um, training. He's 90 years old, but he's still going strong. And he's really quite extraordinary. And this morning he was talking about how the United States is, um, I don't have those notes either, but the United States is, uh, it's driven by this idea of security. I mean, it's all about security. We become a security state. What's the number one thing? Keeping our borders safe. 
but no discussion about the 800 military bases around the world and, and the military bases inside the United States and the trillions of dollars that are spent on the military budget every year. It's like, is that not keeping us safe? You know, but it's this, this idea of more and more and more, but it serves the purpose for the people who are promulgating that idea. I hope I'm not getting political, but it makes so much sense to me. But that sense of security and going more and more and more. He goes, we never questioned the spending of money on that, but we have conversations about whether we can afford Head Start or education. So it's, what strikes me around that is that, that, that huge push for security. When you know what? We're all going to die. Alert, we're all going to die. But this, this, this culture is also aghast at that. I saw, I saw recently, a, um, I think earlier this week, it was a documentary. Peter Bogdanovich did a documentary on um, Buster Keaton, who was a very, very famous um, uh, silent movie comedian. Brilliant, very creative. And he, when he died in 1966, he, he smoked forever and he had lung cancer. But back in the 60s, this is how doctors operated. They didn't tell him he had lung cancer. He thought he had bronchitis. And he didn't know he was terminally ill. Because we didn't tell people that. We thought we were doing them a favor. So we were in this place of denial of the reality of denial of your ability to connect with your actual experience. Ram Dass tells that story, too, about his grandmother when she was dying, probably in the 60s also. And they wouldn't, you're going to be fine, you're going to be fine. And he was the only person who said, you're dying. And she said, thank you. I know I'm dying, but nobody's talking about it. So we have this denial of the reality of our situation, that there's this way to secure something. And when we secure that, then we will be safe and we will be okay. And nothing can touch us. And if that, if something touches us, then we need to, we need to fix that. And if that over there comes in, then we need to fix that. And so that's why there's all these rules. I told you I studied archeology. span There's all these texts, these ancient, ancient um, rules and, and divination texts. Like if, some, if a cow is born with two heads, it means this. And you go, well, you know, Cow was born with two heads, so I had to figure out what it meant. So you're reading all this stuff. That's why they made all these laws. If somebody does this, then this, and it's like, that meant people did that. It's the same with the Vinaya, Vinaya with the, the nuns and the monks. You can't do this, you can't do that. Well, you know people were doing that. That's why they made rules for it. So that's how we operate. Instead of holding this, which, which is a constrictive, harsh, you know, clamping down, tightening up way to be. Whereas the Buddha says, that's, that's, that's not where you want to go. You want to open up. You want to let go. You want to make some spaciousness. And when you make, make spaciousness for the insecurity of life, for the no guarantees aspect of your life, there's a tremendous freedom in that. There's a tremendous freedom in that. Yeah, he, he says, flaws and problems are not to be solved or removed, but they're signals. 
You know, if we have, this is, this is something that I talk about a lot. <clears throat> when people talk about, because this book that I'm talking about is not Buddhist at all, although the concepts are, concepts are quite, quite familiar to anybody who practices or studies Buddhism. <clears throat> when I talk about suffering, where we find ourselves in discomfort, where we find ourselves struggling, it's not that we're bad and we need to be fixed and we need to fix these flaws, but that's where we need to look. If we're struggling in this groundlessness and this, this um, neutral zone, thinking we need to fix things in order to be okay, it's not about fixing, it's about seeing, oh, this is where my suffering springs from. How do I shift my attitude toward it and what's causing that suffering? We start where we are. We start where we are. Start where you are. What's causing you discomfort? Not creating a goal that you think you need to achieve in order to get happy or get safe or get whatever it is you think you need to get. Figure it all out. Anybody figure it out? Are you done now? Are you still figuring it out? Because that's shifted. There is a quote that I can read because it's on my phone and it's about, um, it's... Uh, Pema Chodron on this um, groundlessness idea. It's not impermanent, talking about embracing the groundlessness of our situation. It's not impermanence per se, or even knowing we're going to die that is the cause of our suffering, the Buddha taught. Rather, it's our resistance to the fundamental uncertainty of our situation. We resist the idea that it's uncertain. We demand certainty. Our discomfort arises from all of our efforts to put ground under our feet, to realize our dream of constant okayness. When we resist change, it's called suffering. But when we can completely let go and not struggle against it, when we can embrace the groundlessness of our situation and relax into its dynamic quality, that's called enlightenment or awakening to our true nature, to our fundamental goodness. Another word for that is freedom. Freedom from struggling against the fundamental ambiguity of being human. The fundamental ambiguity of being human, this sense of um, the uncertainty of our situation. How many of you have struggled with that, that need to know? It's got to be like this, and that's where our minds go. We think we have the answer to situation. Oh, I know what this is like. I know, you, you walk into a room and you've got it all figured out. Oh, those people are, I know those people. I'm not going to, they, no, I don't want to talk to them. Or we, ha we, we walk around constantly with the mind, constantly. It's like that, that Terminator, if you've seen the Terminator movie, and when they show the inside of the Terminator's head, and he's like, you know, he's got the computer, and he's, and he's going to do it, and he's constantly. That's, wouldn't it be nice if we could do that in our lives? Then we, oh, then we wouldn't have to worry. Then we wouldn't have to, you know, figure things out. Then we could just relax. But this is a teaching of, eh, that's what the suffering's from. Our unwillingness to be in this neutral zone, or our unwillingness to embrace, embrace ambiguity. 
because that's the way it is. Everything changes all the time. My friend, my friend is a, a performer and she's written a song called Change. Makes us so unhappy, but we've got to change to be happy. So it's this conundrum, you know? It's like we hate it, but we need it. And so can you just say this is the way it is? I don't know. That's where they come with the, the, the teaching of don't know mind. Don't know. Oh, it, there's so much spaciousness when you don't know. And we were talking earlier about the retreat this weekend, and the topic was undefended heart. The armoring is a, is, a, is a security, keeping ourselves safe from being hurt in some way, shape, or form, whatever that means for us. But knowing what's going to keep us safe and knowing, having that solidity of knowing. I've talked about this before. That's what fundamentalism is. Fundamentalism is this rigidity, this, this way of seeing that allows no differentiation. You know, everybody is, is an automaton following the, 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 the way it is. That's, that's a safe way to be. But it's, it's a smothering way to be. It's absolutely smothering. Everybody has to behave the same way. Everybody has to believe the same thing. There's no... There's no um, room for questions. There's no room for, for coming, falling outside of the lines. No coloring outside of the lines. That's forbidden. But that's, that's a false way of dealing with this ambiguity of life. That's when, you know, it just steamrolls people to just, oh, I have a friend who used to walk around used to say, tell me what to believe. I think it was from a movie, but I don't know what movie. But he says, tell me what to believe. And it's like, wouldn't that be nice? Don't you ask people, do you, or do you have friends, or you do this to friends? It's like, just tell me. Just tell me. Just tell me. Tell me. You know, I, sometimes I'm like, if I go to a restaurant and there's like too many things in the menu, I go, oh, man. Or I go off into a library or a bookstore, and I'm like, ah, what's the one book I need to read to to make me so smart and brilliant and have all the answers and know everything. Okay, I'll read two books. But what are they? And I'm running out of time because I'm 64 years old and I need to get this figured out before I get hit by a truck. You know? Anybody else do that kind of stuff? Yeah. So if you're trapped in that place of chasing that, that's suffering. That's what the Buddha said is suffering. Chasing that answer. The inability to be okay with, I don't know. I don't know. Years ago when I was, when I was, um, I think I was getting rich, trying to quit my job or going through this turmoil about leaving my job and not knowing what to do. And I struggled for months and months and months and months. And I'd ask my husband, or I'd tell my husband, I'd say, I'm afraid of making a mistake. Like if I choose incorrectly, um, my life is over. He said, you're not making a mistake. You're just making a decision. <laughs> what? What do you mean just making a decision? But this, no, you're just making a decision. It takes you, you know, when you get to a fork in the road. And if you have no facts, Sometimes you gather, if you don't just, you know, throw a dart and go, all right, I'll go over here. So hopefully you have gathered some, you know, you've made educational guesses. You, you study, 
and make a wise decision, an informed decision, because this is this is there's you're cultivating wisdom and discernment also in this practice, and this is where the teachings come in. This is where the teachings are really helpful if you if you if you believe them, and I have found them to be a great guiding force in my life about living in a way that doesn't cause harm and is kind and compassionate to others and is wise and, and um, makes I hopefully make it safe for people to be around me and cultivate a livelihood that's beneficial for me and for others. Again, that's not causing harm. How do I do it? Oh. What is it? I really buy into this. So what is what are these teaching? Okay, I'm I'm there. That's how I I um, kind of uh, create a, 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 I call it a netting a foundation to land in a craft a, a way that I hold my life. So it's not that we're just falling through space, going I don't know. There's a groundlessness. But we do have these guidelines, and the Buddha offered them as a way out of suffering, the Eightfold Path. And the other ways in the, in the teachings that he presented this stuff of letting go, cultivating generosity. If you're really holding on to stuff, and if you're, if you're clinging and grasping is causing you suffering, practice generosity. Oh, man. Give until it hurts. doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be financial. It could be, be generous with your time. Talk to that friend who's going through one more crisis. And give her or him five minutes of your time. Can you do that? Can you pick someone up at the airport? That's an act of generosity. You know that, right? That's absolutely an act of generosity. So investigating in your own life, where are you? What's causing you suffering? Where do you struggle? What's that? Ah, place for you. That's where you need to bring your, your intention. How do I address that? How do we address that place of discomfort? The, the word um, that is often translated in the, in the Pali Canon in the teachings that, that's often translated as empty, is also translated as void, hollow, coreless. The aggregates, the form, the things we cling to are empty. So knowing that, that having that concept that the things we have grasped onto have no sub substance, you know? And it's okay. It's okay. There's nothing that's going to fix us. Nothing outside. It's an internal. It's always an inside job. It's an inside job. Because my um, my outsides change, and he talks. Bridges talks about this a lot. We can change if if we can change our jobs. We can change our relationships. We can move to different cities and countries, and we can do all that. But you know that old phrase: wherever you go, there you are. So unless you address the internal. Um, needs, the internal uh, healing that needs to be placed, the internal wounds that are there, it's not going to shift, it's not going to change. I used to talk about all the relationships I had, or all the, not just romantic, but relationships. I said, just put a paper bag over their heads, and, and the interaction was the same. It didn't matter who they were. 
I was the same. I was bringing the same crap to the table. So until I addressed my crap, my, the outcomes were going to be the same. So we have to address our crap. So, um, any questions or comments or thoughts about any of this? What's that? Sorry. Yeah, thank you. The good and the comfortable are not the same. There's another phrase that a friend of mine used to say all the time, character over comfort. You know, be a person of integrity doesn't necessarily mean being comfortable, but we are chasing comfort. We're chasing comfort all the time, which is why even something as simple as meditation and sitting on the cushion, it's not going to be comfortable. People, you know, you see people with all kinds of contraptions trying to guarantee comfort. And it's like, but that's not what it's about. It's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a person, I, I, um, an athlete, who his, he always has a hashtag, get, get comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, get used to that, that, that groundlessness, that discomfort. It's like, oh, okay, this is what's here. doesn't have to be not here. We're taught if you're uncomfortable, take a pill, you know, do something, you know. There's a, I'm sure there's something that can fix you. That doesn't mean we're not broken. It's not pathological. For the most part, I mean, there are people who have different things, but in general, that's what I'm saying. It's good and comfort are not necessarily the same thing. So, thank you. Anything else? I want to do a little reflection then. So, um, this is, uh, you can just let your eyes close, um, get comfortable. It's only going to be a, a moment or two. And so, just. Looking back over your life and thinking about the identities you had, who you were as a child, as a teen, as a young adult. And your identity today. Are they different? Or are they the same? And do you recall any shifting or changing from one identity to the other? Or even within the same age range. It doesn't have to be just from one to the next, but just any shifting that happened in your life. Was it gradual? Was it quick? How did you respond? Did you fight it? Did you let it go? Do 
you have a felt sense of what it's like to be in the unknown? Just rest there. Or whatever your experience is in it. So bring yourself back to the room, allow your eyes to open when you're ready.